Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. We've been going through the Ten Commandments as, as under the Old Covenant, looking at what Jesus did with each of those. Executors of Jesus with apostles, then it became to us. Bible is we are under the covenant new covenant founder the apostles were the executors of his will and nothing becomes effective to us today until it comes under the new covenant which was, of course, uh, executed by the apostles. That's where we would go, and that begins with the Acts on through the epistles. There's great teachings throughout the Old Covenant. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 16 is where we are today, or last week as well, and we're going to expand on that a little bit today. Youth, witness against your neighbor. little bit of explanation to you shall not bear that word bear means you will hold uh, you will hold on to a and it's kind of like folks we were discussing thou shalt not steal and by the way so when I'm dead and gone which isn't too long Probably not as quickly as some of you like. But that's all right. You can be saved anyhow. Don't worry about it. Look, you got Abner. How old are you, Abner? You're, you're 92. Who else do we have here that's 92? They can get up and talk without notes and without a microphone. And a a great projection of voice. I think that was beautifully done. I'm going home. (laughs) All right. We we appreciate what folks do here. And uh, I wish you knew more about that man amazing 
But as we discussed on the previous command, thou shalt not steal, that established the, the idea of how God looks at ownership and the control of property. We talked about that. Now this one, thou shalt not bear false witness, establishes the ownability of words. And how you prepare a case. And as to not be a witness or build a case against your neighbor if you have to manufacture the data. That's pretty understandable, I think. <clears throat> we noticed last week from the book of James, chapter 3, that there is a tendency of the tongue to say the wrong thing, and he went so far as to say no man can tame it. So we always have that on our hand, that we need to be careful about our words and take ownership of them. But here specifically, he's talking about pseudo-certifier. To alter someone else's opinion, someone, your neighbor in particular here, we're going to discuss that in a moment, with inaccurate evidence or artificial knowledge, or incomplete information, or partial information, all of which can project the idea of being false information. So to bear uh, with authority a case established false information. Artificial or any of those that we have, we have in our minds is based on family ties than accurate. In the case of stealing, by a lie, motive just stealing. Motive because of the circumstance. Severe is the penalty. Is a and we steal to satisfy the hunger. What's the penalty imposed upon that theft, that thief in the old covenant? Seven time replacement. You know, I'd, I'd ask folks to come in and steal anything they want. I'd, I'd like to have them come in and steal my grapefruit. Of course, I had a thousand of them last year, and this that, that would mean I'd end up with a thousand. Can you? I mean, seven thousand. Can you eat seven thousand grapefruit? No. By the way, there are grapefruit back there. If there's any left, why help yourself? We're bringing those in now, and steal. You can't steal them. They're there for you to take. But if you see, it says in, in, in Proverbs that you don't look upon a person who steals to satisfy his hunger with disdain. Remember that? Does this theft is place seven times? Now, folks, we need to begin thinking like God thinks. Motive to justify doing the thing. 
and it doesn't justify thing in where we are today with bearing false witness. No matter what we think we need to do, it is never right to build a case with inaccurate information. <clears throat> now there are some root forces. <clears throat> Create people on many times people do that as a root driving force possesses them in attitude. They may have a judgmental attitude that may be a driving force. They may be arrogant, have an arrogant attitude. They may have a critical self. But those attitudes, all the enablers as to why we build a witness and build a case against our neighbor and why we are willing to manufacture data to support our case. The law is really clear in the Old Covenant. Thou shalt not bear or hold on to a false create manufacture case so neighbor is yeah, let's go to the we're got cover go to chapter 10 that he's not talking to some remote person you appoint to to somebody else to and then, but it's somebody that you can touch. I want you to think about that in principle, and I don't know how far you'd want to carry it, but <clears throat> he's not talking about building a case, and we are so prone to build a case about politicians. Real question. We are so prone to build cases against people with whom we have no control over, not that we want that kind of control, but that, that we have nothing really to do with. We really don't care about them, but we're willing to get sucked into building a case. Always on impartial, I mean, always on um, uh, incomplete information inaccurate information, artificial information, partial information, and yet we are willing to... You see, what this is, is cutting off out of that cycle. We are not to bear false witness against our neighbor, and we've got to have that defined because that's the limiting aspect about where we ought to be building our cases. It's so easy for us to build a case against someone with whom we really don't have to deal with. That's the cowardly approach. Let's go to Luke chapter 10 and verse 29. Luke 10. Luke 10. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> the question is stated in verse but wishing to justify, said Jesus. 
is my neighbor. Now we got to go back to verse 25 to pick up why he's asked, why this person is asking that question, and then we get the answer beginning in verse 30. Let's do, just just read it quickly so we know where where in the context we are. Jesus to the test, saying, "What shall I do to inherit eternal life?" Is that a question? He was asking the question though with a motive. And he said to him, what is written in the law? Well, because Jesus came to whom? He came to the Jews, only to the house of Israel. Now, don't forget that, folks. Don't get your covenants messed up. What? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Anything wrong with that? Is that brought down into the new covenant? Yes, it is in First John. And with all, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your, all of your drive, with all of your soul, all of your life. Okay with all of your strength and with all of your mind. What did he leave out? Can you measure up to this lawyer who had a handle on the law? He says, as yourself, said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this. See, not just know it, but do it. Do this and you will live. Oh, but now, he says, now, now, that's getting real close to home. Wishing to justify himself. You see, there was a moment. He knew the right answer. But he had always kind of excluded himself from being a participant in what he knew would mean to him if he really were to practice it. Wishing to justify himself, he said to who is my neighbor? You might have a different answer than Jesus, but let's see what Jesus' answer was. In verse 30, down from Jerusalem, are you with me? Going down from Jerusalem to Jerusalem. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now here's where the story gets more interesting. You know, that a man got robbed and stripped and left half dead. You know, we're so used to that, we don't get too concerned over it. But by chance, a priest was going down on that road. And when he saw him, 
and he's talking here about Jewish priests, he passed by on the other side, not wanting to get involved with this guy that was half dead. Then a Levite, he also came along, verse 32, when he came to the place and saw him, he, he passed by where? On the other side as well. But a Samaritan, now there's quite a history of the Samaritans. Not well liked by the Jews, though with a Jewish heritage themselves, who was on a journey, and they came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. The one of the three who really didn't have any reason to is the one who felt compassion. Verse 34. <clears throat> and he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Well, what do you think about that? Was he doing a good thing? Yeah, he was doing a good thing. He stopped, taking the time, had some compassion, and the compassion led him to do certain things that were helpful. It wasn't just mouthing. <clears throat> so verse 35, on the next day he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper. Did I, did I skip a verse? Um, I think we're all right. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Now, he did not ask the innkeeper to involve themselves as a charity in this situation. He recognized that the innkeeper was in business. And so the Samaritan didn't impose upon him any need for charity in this case to this man. He was the one, he was the one, the Samaritan was the one who was caring for this one and he wasn't forcing someone else to be a participant in charity. No charity was asked for. Whatever you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Do you suspect he would return and repay any bill? Sure, he was that kind of a guy. <clears throat> now, verse 36. Which three do you think proved to be a neighbor? To the man who fell into the robber's hand. The lawyer said, verse 37, the one who showed mercy. Now, mercy is the act of making useful. To be merciful 
is to take a situation and make it useful, or a person to make them useful. I was unuseful, Peter says in his epistle, but I was shown mercy and became useful. The definition of the word means to make useful. So he made this one beat by a robber, a thief, and made him made him able to function again. The one who showed mercy toward him then He was answering the Jesus gave him a of course uh, showed mercy toward person who was do the same. We call it the you. Let me show you his third neighbor. Read another passage of scripture and see if you can tell me what word in this passage of scripture is as the word translated neighbor. Someday we're the Greek up here, and that we can that that will be a help. John chapter 4, verse 5. Now you just have to take my word for it. Chapter 4 of the Gospel of John. Now, what are we looking for? We're looking for a word in this text that is the same in the original as the word neighbor. Let's see if you can pick it up. I've already given you a clue. <clears throat> Chapter 4 and verse 5. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. One word in that verse is identically the same as the word for neighbor in Luke 10. Who wants to venture a guess? You'll be shot if you're wrong. Nope. Nope. But that's the best guess we've had so far. What? Gave? No. No. But that's the second best guess. Second best guess we've had, and it's still wrong. Who else wants to dare be wrong? No. How many? How many words are are there left? Or you know, if you said the right word, I you know I'm so hard of hearing I can't always hear. Did you say tricycle? That wasn't right either. Did you talk about Betty's mule? No, wasn't Betty's mule. 
one word in the verse we just read, John 4, chapter 4, verse 5, is the, exactly the same Greek word as our word in Luke 10 for the word neighbor. Huh? No. No, you're thirdly. We're just about out. Did, did I hear something? Ground, ground. Ground, no. Is the word ground in there? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> no, it's the word, well, I, we're going to have to quit here. It's the word near. The word near. And if they would always translate the Greek word near, then we wouldn't have a misconception about the word neighbor. But the word near and the word neighbor are precisely the same Greek word. Now, we could prove that you know, if when they get their program put together. I, you just have to kind of take my word for it. <clears throat> this uh, uh, place, John, and, but it means near. So it's generally translated near. Both words are from precisely this Greek word. <clears throat> So, at the word, do you see? Near, proximate, not approximate, proximate, meaning the one next to you. Talking about that person with whom you have to do, that person with whom you can interact. So, he's talking about that person. Thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor, that one with whom you interact. And I'm not so sure that Christian folks ought to be, ought to be building cases amongst everybody else in the world with whom they really have no interaction with. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that a lot of times we get so involved in, in cases and uh, against folks that don't interact, have no way of ever knowing whether it's right or wrong, but we still have an opinion. And the driving force on that is so many times our own attitude is that we feel, we feel a necessity in doing so. So we, we love to pass judgment and build in our head uh, about someone on a different plane. Because with that person, we don't have to be accountable. You'll never meet him, never see him. You'll never have any interaction with them. But this is talking about someone with whom you interact. Someone with whom you meet and is near to you and to build a case. with false information, inadequate, misinterpreted information, you build a case and form a case of judgment against someone that is near to you. All right? That's what the idea is. Our time. Next time, I thought we finished today, 
quite going to make up next week on. Secondly, let's look at the lie that is always involved in this and what the New Testament says about that. A false witness means to tell a lie or to build a case with lies and what lies are, which we've already defined today as being inaccurate information, artificial information, in or part information, of any kind of any category of building a case with, with which we establish an attitude towards someone uh, that is next to us. Folks, that goes on in the church all the time. That's sad. And if we understand what the law says and all that it means and how far-reaching it is and what it is that compels us to go that way, then we have, we have something that we can get a handle on and we need to change our attitudes. This is attitude-driven. Attitude-driven. The next command, which we aren't going to get to for a while, I can see that, thou shalt not covet, you say, yeah, for a, we won't get to that for a while, but thou shalt not covet dealing with taking ownership and the responsibility of how you feel about things. You see, thou shalt not steal establishes the control of property. This one, thou shalt not bear false, false witness, makes us uh, responsible for the ownership of our words, to be careful about our words, and that sometimes our words are put together out of a motive that we have to deal with. Now, once we realize that we're looking at people who are around us, people with whom we have to do, people whose lives we can touch, that we're not to build that kind of a case against them, then a lot of the problems that the church has had for the years will fade away. We're going to sing today our closing song. I think it's uh, Revive Us Again. Well, here, hold. All right, let's. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.